Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Mastermind Minutes. My name is Gary Grosso. I am the founder and managing partner of Franchise Growth Solutions, and we consider ourselves to be the premier franchise development and sales organization uh, in the nation. Uh, I am also the publisher of FranchiseMoneyMaker.com. And for those of you who are joining franchise, uh, joining Mastermind Minutes, my apologies, uh, for the first time, uh, you know that this is a very short podcast, typically about 15, 20 minutes. We have one guest, we ask one question, we get one answer. Uh, and we realize that that's usually not enough time. So at the end of the program, we'll give you contact information and you can reach out to our guest directly. And today, uh, my guest and longtime associate, Tom Spadia, who is the founder and partner at Spadia Liana Law, uh, a firm uh, with offices in both uh, Philadelphia and in Long Island, New York. And they specialize in the areas of franchise uh, law, buying and selling uh, businesses, uh, litigation, lease negotiation, commercial law, securities law. Tom can tell you everything else they do. Um, and uh, interestingly enough, Tom isn't one of those people who actually started out as an attorney. Uh, he started his career uh, as an entrepreneur, where he was the co-owner and president of a company that created um, a manufacturing facility uh, in uh, Asia. Oh, I'm sorry, not in Asia, in Latin America. Yeah, yep. but uh, successfully created a sales network uh, in Asia, and he invented a product that uh, he holds a patent on. So I definitely want to hear that uh, about that, because that was new information for me, Tom. Uh, he spent more than 15 years uh, in corporate and entrepreneurial endeavors before uh, completing law school and actually uh, getting involved in law. Uh, and has excelled in that. He was named uh, a Legal Eagle by Franchise Times Magazine, which is a, a distinguished award recognizing really the best of the best uh, in, the, uh, in the franchising industry. Uh, and he is also the founding member of the Philadelphia Franchise Association, of which I used to drive from New York to Philly to go to the meetings. Uh, and uh, he is currently uh, the president and chairman of that organization. So Tom, thank you very much for spending some time with us. This is long overdue, yes. uh, by the way. Appreciate um, it, Gary. Always been yeah. great for our clients. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much. We, uh, you know, we love working with you guys. Be before we get into the question, I usually ask the guests, um, you know, maybe fill in some blanks. Um, tell us a little bit more about your background. Tell us yeah. a little bit more about what Spadia Law is doing uh, these well, days, and then we'll get into the question. You know, I, I appreciate you, you going for my bio, and it's funny, like a patent. That's one of those like weird little factoids of Tom Spadia, and and um, people ask about that. It was actually a radio mic. It was a if you're, if you're going to have a patent, you should either have something that's high volume, low dollar, or high dollar, low volume. I patented something that was low dollar, low volume. So yeah. hence, <laughs> hence my change of careers, right? So no, you know, we, we built that business up and, um, and, and we had a lot of success in the early, this is going back to the late 90s, early 2000s. And then post 9-11, like a lot of businesses, you know, a lot of the manufacturing dried up. That radio business did, did very well for me for, for a few years and then um, the manufacturing business. And then the international competition just clobbered us. And 9-11 happened and we lost a chunk of business and the business sort of went away and I, I pivoted. I mean, at that point, so I'm, I'm 50 now. At that point, I was in my early 30s and I started doing business brokerage and fr franchise brokerage. And, and 
I started doing, you know, I also joked that they didn't pay the franchise brokerage fees that they pay today, or maybe I'd still be a franchise broker and consultant. But I learned when I was in that independent business that I didn't have, I wasn't part of a system. I was on an island and, you know, we were 20 people and we went, we, we tried to do this. And when you're an entrepreneur, sometimes you, you lose sight because you're focused day to day, making payroll, making the next sale. You forget the strategic vision. And I fell in love with franchising placing people in the franchising because of that part that you're part of this ecosystem that I didn't have as an entrepreneur. So I, I feel that I've learned from my failures, from having a business that just collapsed. And it, and then I, I, I saw a need, I think, in the legal services field. And I was selling franchises for a pretty big franchisor. God bless my wife. Her name should be on my degree. We had two small kids at home. And, uh, and I went to night school at Temple in Philadelphia while selling franchises during the day. And, uh, and it's great. So I've been in and out and involved with entrepreneurs, including being one myself for, for the last 20 years. You know, I paid for law school selling franchises, which I just think gives me a perspective that our clients have really um, enjoyed. And then really we've recruited and we've, we've, all the lawyers on our team have that same mindset of the practical application. You know, I joke that we're not defending your First Amendment rights. We're not keeping you out of jail. You know, we're trying to make you make more money. Yep. And, that, and that's what we do as lawyers and, yep. and, and help you. Uh, and, and I hear you. And, you know, uh, we, as you know, we work with four or five, six different law firms and, you know, the ones that we choose to work with and, and your firm really is, is sort of the torchbearer here are the firms that understand that a franchisor needs to have a good, tight, solid disclosure document and franchise agreement. But at the same time, the FDD needs to be incorporated as a selling tool, as a selling document, not a deal-killing document. Um, there are some firms that I've worked with in the past where it almost appeared the more onerous they could write the contract, the better they felt about it. And, and, and I can see how that connects to your background of having been on the sell side of the business where you know you have a great prospect, really qualified, but then you send an FDD that just destroys the deal. So yeah, I mean, it, it it should be a document that that helps tell a story. Yeah, and and that's really what franchising is. That's what growing a brand is 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 helping tell a story. And I'd say there's a third component to that, um, that a lot of especially emerging brands get wrong is the process part. Is you have this great document, it's compliant, it tells a great story then what do you do with it? So we focus, and maybe because I'm a franchise person, maybe because I have a patent and I think process oriented and I'm a, I'm a frustrated industrial engineer, but, um, but I always think processes. It's, it's how do you actually deliver that document in a way that tells the story, that keeps it moving and builds a solid compliance system? Um, you know, how the document's used is just as important as what's in the document. Yep. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. That, that kind of leads into the question that I have for today. Um, because that process, the sales cycle, the number of leads, which is not really my question, but those are things also that franchisors struggle with. Maybe they have a false expectation. Um, and I'm sure there's, there's probably a list of, you want to call it three or five or 10 things that franchisors maybe don't think about or think about in the wrong way uh, when they're becoming franchisors. I, I'd love to get your take on what do you believe the, uh, you know, the challenges or a challenge or key challenges 
that franchisors are faced with internally, so to speak, when they launch a franchise brand? Yeah, that's a great question, Gary. I mean, it's something that we deal with, you know, really every day. And most, as you know, most of our practice um, is emerging franchisors, helping people become a franchise and getting them up to that royalty break even and on a path towards a seven to 10 year private equity exit, right? It's why you franchise. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the, what they really struggle with most is patience and, and entrepreneurs by their very nature are not patient people. You know, neither am I, I've ridden a couple of businesses off a cliff with lack of patience. And, and as I, you know, became an attorney and dealt with entrepreneurs and you learn this is that successful entrepreneurs sometimes aren't patient and they try to rush the process. And you think, you know, you have a business and say it's a restaurant or it's a service business or whatever the business is, tax preparation, you, you open the doors, you start selling, you start getting customers and you have this like really reasonably quick break even point at the unit level. Whereas franchising, you flip it on its head. So I think what most emerging brands struggle with is recognizing that they are trying to build this machine. It's, it's much closer. A franchisor is going to be a closer business model as an analogy to a software business than it is to whatever that core business is. And what I mean by that is you think software, you think Uber, Microsoft, Google, they had to spend millions of dollars and hours and time to get that first click right where it actually works for the user, that user experience. So that's why, you know, you see these software companies for their first years in existence, you know, they're, they're sort of losing money or not paying a revenue. Not that I'm saying franchisors should be losing gobs of money out the gate, but the analogy is the same that in order to build a system with the right FDD, with the right operations manual, with the right um, professionals in the ecosystem, understanding what it's gonna do, what you need to do to support your first two to three franchisees, you really look at the dollars you're getting out of royalties, it, you're gonna spend, you should be spending way more to support those folks. So it doesn't work like, you know, you open another restaurant and, your food cost is, you know, 20, 25%, your labor's 20, 25%, your overhead, bang, money in your pocket. Every dollar that comes in, you know what's coming out. Whereas franchising is this long investment where you're building this foundation. So I think what, Fran to, to directly answer the question, what franchisors struggle with is putting infrastructure and thinking about the business for the long-term instead of the short-term and not rushing it. Whereas if they do, I tell my clients, if you do two to three deals in your first year and they're the right deals and they're the right franchisees and they understand your brand, they're brand champions and they make money, the sales cycle, you know, the professionals like you, it, your job becomes easier because now you have fans within the system. You know, that FDD, we're updating it every year. That item 20 is going to be your best friend or your worst enemy. For those of you new to franchising, the FDD's 23 items. Now, item 20 is every one of your franchisees and anyone's buying your franchise or investing or looking at you, they're going to get that document and they're going to go there and they're going to talk to your existing franchisees. And if you're that coach and in infrastructure and they're getting value, then they're going to talk well about you. And then that's going to create the next generation. So, you know, I, I think for our clients and, you know, it's, it's been a decade now that we've had the law firm, we, we, We've, we've, we've launched hundreds of brands. 
we've seen lots of those brands you know, succeed, wildly succeed. And my big takeaway for emerging brands is that most of them grow slower than they expect or they budget for in the beginning. But, they, but the ones who make it actually grow much faster and get way bigger than the entrepreneur thought on the back end. So it's kind of a reverse curve. Their expectations, you know, you want to get to 50 units in five years. It's not 10 a year for five years. It's two, four, eight, 16, 32. So I think that you have to think about your system as a franchisor as an exponential growth game. You know, stay tight, stay tight in your geography, sell to the right people, award franchises. And so put those systems in place, you know, start charging your brand fund. Start putting things in place that, that build metrics and transparency as if you're 100 units when you have two units, because that's the way you'll get to 100 units. Mm -hmm. Don't just do everything, see to your pants. And look, that's how entrepreneurs are. I get mm -hmm. it. I, my dad, my grandfather, I'm a third generation entrepreneur. We, we, I understand that. But you have to fight against that um, shortcut mentality because it can burn you and really stunt your growth four or five years out. Yep. And uh, I want to unpack some of that because there's, it's, I mean, you're preaching to the choir and I, I, I love everything you've said here. So, you know, some of the expectations when you talk about sort of that long runway and what's the cost and what's the timing, you know, uh, at Franchise Growth Solutions, we're, we're, we're four silos. We do Fran Dev, we do Fran Sales, we do infrastructure and we do private equity. And they're really all connected, um, you know, infrastructure with respect to your things like your equipment list and your uh, the vendors that you use that all relates to the support you give your franchisees, which will help them be successful so that they validate to potential franchisees, which help franchise sales. You know, at the back end, the private equity piece, well, if you don't set that up properly in the beginning and you're just wheeling and dealing and selling franchises and you've got more stores that have closed than opened in your item 20, the PE people aren't really going to be that interested, let alone franchisees. Um, and, you know, and on the dev side, when we first come across someone who wants to develop a franchise business, we go through the entire process with them. We don't limit the education or the pitch, if you will, to simply like, okay, our company is going to write your operations manual and it costs X because that's, you know, that's half the story. And someone told me, you know, a half truth is a whole lie. So <laughs> like what, you, what you have to tell the person up front is, yeah, in addition to paying to have professionally written operations manuals, and no, we don't think it's something you can write yourself. You, you're going to need to pay for an attorney to write an FDD. You're going to need collateral material like a franchise website. You're going to need um, a deck. You're going to need selling tools. Then when you get to the sales piece, you need to understand, as you point out, you need to understand how many, you know, what's going to be the cost per acquisition, as we call it. How many leads at what cost do you need to sell one franchise? This is where we typically either tell clients we're not interested or they tell us they can't afford it. Well, right. Um, and if you can't afford it, that's a great question about the can't afford it. And, and maybe, you know, sometimes that irritates people. But I tell people, look, if you're not ready, if you don't have, I think it's, a, it's, it's can't afford it in time and can't afford it in dollars. If I have someone who wants to franchise their business and I can't schedule a phone call with them because they're too busy running their business, they're not ready to franchise. So I always tell people you need to have 
you know, hundred thousand dollars in the bank and you, and you gotta be working 20 hours a week in your business. If you haven't gotten those variables, then you're not, wait, there's nothing wrong with that. Wait, wait, I, I've had conversations with people and you know, my partner Harold also, he's had conversations with people. We'll, we'll have a soft conversation for three years until they're ready. And that's wonderful. Get your trip. There's a lot of things you can do. Get your house in order, get your trademarks buttoned up, get, you know, start thinking about your entity, start thinking about your business as a franchise, start thinking about, I agree with you, by the way, you shouldn't write your operations manuals yourself, just like you shouldn't write your FDD yourself, because there's a, a franchisor is entering into a new business, you know, back to that software analogy, you know, don't, you're not doing all the source code yourself. You're not writing the code. That's not a recipe for scalability. You have to always be thinking about is what I'm building can I put, can I stress test that and multiply it by 10, then multiply it by 50, then multiply it by 100? How will it withstand? You know, PE, we do a lot of the PE mergers and acquisitions. It's, look, it's, it's awesome. You know, sometimes we even, you know, it'll be a strategic uh, acquisition and they have in-house counsel and then, you know, we're out and it's the best way for us to ever lose a client because they've gotten a nice 20, $30 million payday. And, you know, those are the kind of numbers we're talking about. If you're a successful franchisor, the, the valuation is huge and you hit the nail on the head. They want to know what is the fundamentals? What's your infrastructure look like? Can you put your finger on every receipt page? Are you buttoned up? Have you been sloppy? Because if you're sloppy as an entrepreneur, which they are, and we come in, you know, if something's been launched and we'll fix them and you know, we're very non-judgmental about how we fix and, you know, we get it. It happens more often than not, but we're not, we're not, you know, we're not yelling at them because we're saying that we just want everything buttoned up. It's because their end audience, that private equity, the value in the system, that's what they're going to look at. They want to know, do you have the unit economics? Can you prove out? Are you getting good reporting from your franchisees? Do you have an operations manual that serves the franchise and really speaks to it and is written in a way that other franchise professionals, you know, it's this whole infrastructure that, you know, there's certain rules. There are just certain rules that the buyers want to see. It's a lot easier to follow those in the beginning. You should, you know, who's that Stephen Covey, right? Start with the end in mind. I mean, that's, I gave, yeah, absolutely. I, I give that book to all my nieces and nephews and my kids, you know, required reading. Um, yeah. And, and that's franchising. I, and, and I agree. We, we, we constantly are telling clients, everything touches everything else. It really does. And obviously unit, unit level economics, as you mentioned, are key. I mean, it's critical to success. And, you know, the other piece is when you talk about the end in mind, another thing that we, we say very often, entrepreneurs sometimes will only sort of punch at what's ever in front of them. They right. have vision. They know what it's supposed, they know what, they know what it's supposed to look like in five years, but how they get there um, is very often not very strategic. It's sort of, you know, kind of doing things. And what we, what we explain, again, that expectation is that you need to at least have some level of planning and understanding of how you're going to get there. I use the analogy, and I, I forget who, where I learned it, but it's, it's like flying a commercial airline, so from, say, L.A. to Honolulu. So when the plane takes off, the pilot doesn't see the airport in Honolulu. 
Well, the I like pilot, that. The pilot, pilot the pilot. I'm going to use that one. No, the pilot is following a flight path, which sometimes is not exact because they got to go up or down if there's weather or right or left if there's turbulence, just like an entrepreneur. But what the what the pilot's doing is getting from one point to the next to the next, following the flight plan, making adjustments along the way. And eventually he sees or she sees the lights of the runway at Honolulu Airport. That's how they have to. Uh, that's how entrepreneurs have to think about franchising, because unlike a business that you're doing sort of on your own and it's your money, win, lose or draw, like a pilot that might be, fought, fought, you know, flying solo and it's only his life he's concerned with. A franchise is like a commercial airline. You might have 300 people on board. You know, it's you interesting you say that. The plane. You can't crash that plane. Those people are putting their lives in your hands. And that's so my, what franchisors don't get. I, that's a fantastic Sometimes. analogy. It's a fantastic analogy. I'll even tease that out. So my brother, my younger brother is a pilot with, uh, with United Airlines. And him and I were talking about uh, that. And through the recruitment, he's done some training and, and coaching and he does the flight checks. And he said that the, they're harder on military pilots coming into the commercial business because they're more they're used to flying solo without necessarily having a first officer you're right they're not and they're they're they have a higher risk tolerance and all that so it's just a very interesting thing about that's yes. exactly right that, that a pilot of a commercial airline right they're your franchisees in the back you have a responsibility to get them to land with you um yes. so that's a great analogy yeah. um no look I, I agree with you and and that's you know the single biggest mistake that those emerging franchisors make and they're fixable and, and look the other thing is that the the something that i'm very transparent about and you tell people you know you have a one in four one in five chance as a franchisor making it however doesn't mean the other three or four will fail your business is still going to be better you're going to be more organized you may just not like franchising you may not be a coach and leader enough and you may just think i just I'd rather double or triple my income. You know, that that's the other, I always like to get that out for the emerging guys. If your goal is to double or triple your income in five to seven years, don't franchise. That's too much work. You got to deal with guys like me, guys like Gary, fly to all these shows. You got to deal with franchisees. It is not worth the squeeze. The juice isn't worth the squeeze for two to three times. You franchise for 50 or 100X. That's why you franchise. So when you put that perspective, you say, okay, that's why I'm investing this energy and effort into my ops manual, into my process, into my, my education. I don't think franchisors invest enough in their education. Look at, you know, you and I, we, we go to all these shows, we do these things, we, we do this podcast. I'm learning from you, you're learning from me. All I'm doing is talking uh, to people to learn about their business so I can translate to my clients. Franchisors have to take that same approach. You were great. You know how to kill mosquitoes. You know how to make a heck of a good tomato pie or chicken sandwich, but you're new to franchising. And so you have to, as a franchise, a new franchisor, learn, talk, find a peer group and, and, and recognize now, you know, take that math, right? For a couple hundred thousand dollar investment in five to seven years, you can turn it into 20, $30 million. One out of four chance. And that's a lottery ticket I might buy. That's not mm -hmm. too bad, but no. you got to have that perspective. That yeah. you're going for the home run, and yep. and it's a it's a fun journey too. I mean, it's, yeah. it's I, awesome. Look, right. I think it's fun. I mean, I wouldn't be doing it for 32 years if I wasn't having fun because yeah. uh, 
you know, sometimes I go, geez, I don't really need this BS. But at the end of the day, when I have the fun column and the not so fun column, the fun column is is longer. Well, if you've just joined us, we have been speaking with Tom Spadia from Spadia Liana Law. Tom, I could we could, I could have this conversation with you for an hour, but then it wouldn't be mastermind minutes. It might be mastermind hours and no one would sit and listen to the whole thing. So with that in mind, is there any last thought you can leave us with on this topic of it sounds like I, I guess the umbrella here is that emerging franchisors, newly launched franchisors need to have patience. Yeah. Um, any last word you can give us? No, on? I, 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 uh, I enjoyed this and agree with you. I, I can talk about this for hours. So, um, you know, I, I think that having patience, playing the long game and surrounding yourself with the right people. And the single most important thing is uh, pick the right franchisees. You know, if you're an emerging brand, the biggest thing you can do for your future success is pick those first franchisees based on how they're going to impact your culture, because it's going to be a multiplying effect. Every person that kind of comes in is going to be sort of the seeds to the next generation of franchisees. So those first 10 franchisees are really going to probably dictate the culture um, of where your brand ends up and, uh, and they have a big impact. So yeah, you know, be, be patient, be open-minded, uh, be humble, learn, um, others have done it before, but no two systems are ever unique as much as people might accuse all of us of cookie cutter, even though it's franchising, no two systems are unique. Everyone's, uh, out there and, and, you know, um, it's a fun journey, you know, yep. and, and yep. make those course adjustments. Yep. And, and one, one tag I want to put on your, on your comment here, and, and then I'm going to ask you how people can get in touch with you. You mentioned about pick the right franchisees. This goes back to what you said earlier about having the right amount of capital to launch a franchise and the right amount of patience. What we tell our clients is if you're going to accept a franchisee because you need the franchise fee, stop now. Agreed. That should not be the reason to accept a franchisee because you got to pay the rent or keep the lights on. You cannot build a franchise company going from franchise fee to franchise fee to franchise fee. Why? Because that will inherently cause you to select people that you know in your heart will not measure up to the brand standards and either are going to create a problem or someday you're going to just have to get rid of them. And that's not where you want to be. So here's how you calibrate that as a franchisor. Flip it in your mind. Even though you won't do it, pretend you're recruiting them and imagine that instead of you getting a $30,000 check, would you write a $30,000 check to have this person be in your system? And even though you're not going to write that $30,000 check, it sure changes the calculation when you look at that person. You think, would I write this person a $30,000 check to wear my team uniform? Because that's what you are. You're the general manager of your team and you're recruiting these folks. All right. You could steal my airline pilot story and I'm going to steal that one. That, that is a great, that is a great way to look at it. What if I was writing you the check? Oh, wait a minute. I'm not doing that. Exactly. Um, <laughs> um, I, I know I'm going to see you at, well, I'm not going to see you at IFE this year, but your folks will be there. I'll probably see Harold. If Just people want to know more about this topic, if people yeah. want to franchise their business or have questions or issues with a franchise and they want to get in touch with you, um, and we will list the website in the bio here, but what's the best way? Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, the, the, the best way is to is to go on our website where even though, you know, we we 
www.spadialaw.com, S-P-A-D-E-A-L-A-W.com. We talk about, you know, we have software that controls this process, our flat fee. We, you know, we didn't even get into how we try to take this, this, this high level approach. We go to our website. We have tons of resources. We'll post this. You know, we do all these interviews, all these articles. We're all about education, you know, and, that, and that's, we, we encourage all of our clients. So if you're new to this or new to us, Look, pick up the phone. I, if someone calls me and says, I have some questions about franchising, uh, you're not, I'm, not, I'm not shoving an engagement letter or turning my clock on. I love to talk about this because I'll learn a little bit too. I hear you. Well, Tom, thank you so much for the time today. We'll have to have you back on. Um, you know, there's 20 topics we can talk about, but for today, thank you so much for your insights. I truly, truly appreciate it. Thanks, Gary. Uh,